Oregon State had a week off to figure things out while there was some craziness as usual in the Pac-12 over the weekend. I am Aaron Fentress along with Nick Daschle. We both work for the Oregonian and Nick covers the Beavers as you well know. Welcome to the Beaver Banter Podcast. Nick, how are you doing? How was your sort of pseudo, not really off, but didn't have as much to do week for you? It was great. I, uh, let's, <laughs> I, I, I was, was all, I was home all alone. I didn't leave the couch. Well, I left it a little bit, but to yeah, get to the was, fridge, right? I <laughs> uh, went for a couple walks, went to church, you know, but mostly I just, I, it was time to just, it was time to put my feet up for a weekend. Cause <laughs> every, I mean, this driving to Corvallis every week and, and games and, it can wear on it can wear on the old on the old guy, so so I'm ready. The ready draw, for the, the, se- the draw. Go ahead, sorry. No, I said I'm just I'm ready for the second half of the season. The drive may not sound like much to people who don't drive that much all the time, but as someone who drove to Eugene for years, it can wear on you. It's it's amazing how draining it can be driving. It's just you know, and to do it so often. It, it adds to the wear and tear. That's, I'm so glad now that my primary thing is my primary beat now is the Blazers because I drive 20 minutes to the practice facility at most and about 15 minutes to Moda. Yeah, thank God there's stuff like uh, satellite radio and you know you could talk on the <laughs> on on your phone on you know on on your on your screen on the on the car and oh yeah it it, it can get. It can get monotonous. Thank God also for the old, uh, what is it, the automated, uh, or it's not called automated, but it's the cruise control where you can set it and it just adjusts to uh, whatever speed the traffic's going. That that helps a lot too. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so Oregon State was off after losing at Washington State, a disappointing defeat to be sure. But while they were off, Stanford lost to Washington State. So maybe Washington State's, Pretty darn good. Who knows? And Washington lost to UCLA. So there were a couple of losses and a victory uh, in the North plus Oregon edged out Cal. So actually there are three losses in, in the division. Um, so, you know, I think if you're going to take a week off and, and those things happen, that's not necessarily bad if you're Oregon State. But now that we look at the landscape of the conference, which every week it looks different, doesn't it? Like every week you come out of it thinking, oh, these teams are strong and these teams are not. And then it flips around. But how do you sort of see where Oregon State fits in with this group now after a week off with all that happened over the weekend? Yeah, I think it's so early. It's so early in the season at this point. You're Oregon State. You're just you're not really looking around to see, you know, I want this team to win. I want this team to lose. It's, it's more about <laughs> stacking up some wins because I mean, the, the North is, is outside of maybe Cal. It, it, it's, it's incredibly competitive. And, uh, you know, I, right at this point, you know, uh, Stanford and uh, Cal both have three losses. So you would think it's probably an uphill battle for those two teams to win the north, but I would write it off totally. And, and Washington if they don't get it if they don't get it together here, they they they're, they're going to be out of it pretty soon, but you know, Washington State, shoot. I mean, they've bounced off the map pretty well. They they've won 3 in a row, but now they're dealing with their coach situation today, which doesn't sound right. like it's sounds like it's 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 really going south in a hurry. Um they got a lot of issues. Um 
So, I mean, this, this, this really could come down to an Oregon, Oregon state deal, the way it's, it's starting to shape up. I mean, Oregon state's got to win, win games, but shoot. I mean, it, it, it sure looks like it's, you know, shaping up that way, especially if Oregon state can pull it off Saturday against Utah. Right. For those who don't know, Washington state coach, Nick Rolovich is asking for a religious exemption to not be required to take the COVID-19 vaccination, which is mandated in the state of Washington for him to be able to coach, um, which is interesting. It's definitely an interesting story, but you know, I think he's going to. Oh, it's going to get real interesting here because, <laughs> because there's about half the staff that are in the same boat. I mean, they, they might be down as many as four or five coaches by tomorrow. Um, I mean, it sounds like Rolovich is out, and it sounds like at least one other guy is out, and they're going to have a big meeting at 5.30 today. And anything from, you know, boycotts to – I mean, it's it's chaos in Pullman right now. Yeah, definitely. So, anyway, I will refrain from commenting on that. But let's – okay, let's look at the division. I agree with you. It's It appears like – it could be Oregon, Oregon State showdown at the end that decides things, especially if Washington State continues to struggle. I see Oregon – it's not struggle, but if Washington State has issues with its coaches and then struggles. I see Oregon dropping one, if not two, the rest of the way. Um, so then the question there would be, based on what we saw Oregon State do at Washington State, are you still confident, A, that this team is going to – easily swoop past the six win mark, but do you still think they can maybe get to eight, which is probably what they're going to need to be in position in order to be in position to make the game with Oregon for the North championship? Well, I mean, this team isn't talented enough to, to say they're easily going to do anything. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, they're, they're just Hater. not. I mean, well, I mean, it, let's be honest. I mean, I'm there, kidding. there, there isn't really, there really isn't any team in the PAC 12 that could say there it's, I mean, even Oregon has got issues. So, I, I mean, I think Oregon's going to easily go past six. But, you know, Oregon State's, you know, they got to get back on track. But I, I do think if they can win Saturday against Utah, which certainly won't be easy, it's going to be the toughest game they've played so far. If they can win that game Saturday, I could see I could see another four-game winning streak coming up here because, you know, then they got Cal, Colorado, and Stanford. And I think they're going to be favored in all four, three of those games. And, I mean, you would you would think California just shoot based on 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 what you see from California. I don't think they can match points with Oregon State, and I certainly don't think Colorado can match points with Oregon State. And Stanford has trouble stopping the run. So, I mean, if they can get past Utah, I I, I could see them getting to getting to eight wins here by the end of, by Stanford. Now, getting past Utah at one point didn't seem like it was going to be a huge deal, especially when Utah lost to San Diego State 33-31, and that came after losing to BYU, which BYU was a good football team. They're, I think they're still ranked, or they were at the time. Uh, but since then, this Utah team looks completely different than the team we, we were evaluating a few weeks ago when we were overanalyzing Oregon State's schedule. They have taken down Washington State. They took down USC in similar fashion to what Oregon State did at USC. And then they just defeated Arizona State by two touchdowns, arguably the best team in the South. It's between – yeah, well, they were arguably the best team until Utah just beat them. 
And they've won all three games by a combined score of 101 to 60. Cameron Rising, their quarterback, has been money. 553 yards, five touchdown passes, only two picks in the last two games. 164 yards rushing and two touchdowns in the last four games since he's taken over. So this this is an extremely daunting task for the Beavers, I believe, based on what we've seen. Yes, they beat Washington, but they sneaked by Washington. Washington is now 2-4. and four. They lost to Washington State. And so here they are facing a red-hot Utah team. How do you see that matchup? Well, I mean, Utah Utah's good. I'm I I'm I certainly wouldn't would not d- dispute that. Are they great? No. They're not this is not the Utah team of 2019 that that just had dominant experienced players all over the map. It's a good football team. And the other thing I wonder about Utah is you know they've been writing a lot. They've been work. They've had a lot working with a lot of emotion here the last few weeks after the shooting death of their uh, their receiver Aaron Lowe, and you just kind of wonder when they're going to hit a wall. And maybe they won't hit a wall. Maybe they'll just ride this thing all the way through. But I mean, man, they have been through the ringer with you know a funeral and dealing with you know all the outside you know stuff with with their teammate and i i mean i these guys are 20 and 21 year old you know young adults i mean it's not something they've dealt with in the past and you just wonder at some point when it, when it's going to hit them and like i said maybe it won't maybe maybe they're just you know they're gonna they're just gonna ride this thing and, and play this season for aaron low and it's gonna be it's gonna end up as a as a great you know as great a story as it could be. I mean, the guy lost his life, so it's not going to be a great story, but you know, as great as they can make it. So, but this is certainly not the 2019 Utes or, and I don't even know if it's last, I mean, last year, even last year's team was, you know, not what was near. It's just, it's just not, it, it, they've got, they've got some good players. I would, and they've got a couple of great players. Devin Lloyd is, is a really good linebacker. He's on a short list for um, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. You know, Britton Covey is is a, is a good receiver, all-purpose type player. You know, Cam Rising is. You know, he, I, you know, I, he, he's another one. I wonder is is he Chance Nolan or is he something better than that? Because you know, Chance right. Nolan looked pretty good his first couple starts, and then you know, people started to figure him out. I don't know, you know, so we'll see, but I, I certainly, yeah, I certainly think Oregon state's got a great chance in this game. Yeah, I don't disagree, but I think clearly, I wonder if you would agree with this, that, you know, they win this game. It's their biggest win so far, especially considering how mediocre USC and Washington are. And this is not something we would have thought would be the case a month ago, but based on how those two programs have fallen off, and the way Utah's playing, this could arguably be their toughest game of the season thus far, even tougher than maybe at Purdue. Um, well, man, maybe not. But <laughs> given where Utah is, this, you know, they win this game, then I, I think I personally would feel a lot better about them the rest of the season than I do now looking back at how mediocre in Washington, excuse me, how mediocre Washington and SC are. No, I, I, I would agree that this would be their biggest win if they beat Utah, but I, I, I don't think you could diminish what they did at USC. That that win, even though USC has proven not to be that great, 
it still validates the program as has taken a big step. And up until that game, you know, we still wondered, eh, can this, how good is this team? You know, are they really that good? Well, they they show they they really are pretty good. You know, being USC, you know, they still had to get past those athletes down there, even though even if they are dysfunctional. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I just think that validated everything. But certainly, if they beat Utah, that would be the biggest win of the season to date. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think? Um, I mean, Purdue just beat. They just beat. Wait, they beat Iowa. Yeah, number two That's Iowa. Cool. Yeah, they just beat Iowa. We're, yeah, my son and I were watching. Did you see? Did you see the? Did you see yeah. the tweet? Twenty-four seven. Did you see the tweet on on Saturday from from Purdue? Uh, we just beat the number two out of Purdue, uh, out of <laughs> Iowa. We just beat the number two out of Iowa. <laughs> that was a, I did not see that. Yeah, that one, of the, one, of, one of the great tweets of all time. Uh, all right. But yeah, Purdue, no, I mean Purdue, Purdue. I mean Purdue is yeah. I mean, I, they're I, ranked now. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're they're a good team. But again, I wouldn't call them great either. I mean, they have one. They have probably the oh, I'd say two of the best four players Oregon State will face all season: that defensive end and the receiver. Those two are are just tremendous players. But but yeah, I mean, but again, back to Utah. I mean, shoot, if they can beat Utah, given given you know the state of the program right now, the Utes are hot. I mean, they lead the South. I mean, everybody knows the stakes. It, that would be a big win. So Utah is giving up only 132 yards on the ground. That's fourth in the conference. You're giving up 22 points per game, which I think is also four, uh, fifth in the conference. So the defense has been pretty good. And, of course, we all know Oregon State has the best rushing offense in the conference. And what are they, what are they rank nationally? Uh, they rank – they're they're in the top ten. They're in the top ten in in yards per carry and and yeah, rushing and over and rushing yardage. One of them six and one of them nine. I can't. Remember. I think it's right, ninth so. in rushing yardage, sixth in yards per carry. Right. So clearly, with the way Ch- Chance Nolan's been playing, Oregon State's got to get its running game going against Utah. How do you see the matchup there? Well, in order for Oregon State to beat Utah, they have got they've got to get something out of their passing game. They they can't they can't play the, like the last two weeks and expect to beat Utah. So, I think they're going to run the ball pretty well against Utah, but they're they're not going to get the yards they got the last several weeks. I mean, if they can get 150 to 150 to 200 yards on the ground against Utah, um that will be good because they will have to throw it. They'll have they'll have to get some they'll have to get some yards through the air and and I think Utah is gettable through through the air. But but Nolan has got he's got to be he's got to find receivers that are open. That's been part of the problem. And once he finds them, <laughs> guys got to start catching the ball. At Washington State, that was it was brutal how how they were dropping passes and and fumbling them around and. I mean, I think there were like two or three times inside the red zone where guys either dropped a pass or one of them actually was a tip, drop, tip interception that just killed a drive early in the second half. So, um, you know, they've had two weeks to work on this. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say I got faith. It's not. I, I, I mean, I don't have a dog in the in the hunt in this thing. It's just I, I would think, you know, what you've seen so far, that they're capable. They just got to get back on the right page again. 
You are listening to Beaver Banter, and we'll be right back after a quick break. So Oregon State's at 242.5 yards per game on the ground, 5.8 average, which is, and that's <laughs> that's a, a big number. 5.8 per carry is a big number. But yes, they have to get more out of the quarterback. And he's had he's had back-to-back mediocre to bad performances. What has Jonathan Smith said about him and his development and sort of where he is coming off of two bad games and now is fresh off of the big performance at USC? He said he thought the Washington performance was a lot of that was on chance, but he thought the Washington State one. He actually threw the ball pretty well. The receivers just didn't help him out. I mean, they just he missed a couple. He missed a couple of throws, and he missed he missed uh, a, a couple of guys that were open deep down the field that that he maybe should have spotted. But but Jonathan thought it was as much or more on the receivers, just either not getting the separation. Or not not hanging on the ball once once it got to him. So um, that that's why I think it's it's not impossible for him to get back because Nolan wasn't he wasn't terrible against Washington State. He, he it was it, it was a it was a team effort, I guess. And so <laughs> I, I, I you know, but and I I'm I'm not totally buying the thing. Jonathan has mentioned a few times that you know Chance hasn't had a lot of opportunities because the running game's gone so well. I mean, I don't know how much of that I'm going to buy because he's still getting 15 to 20 throws a game. I mean, you should, especially if you're running the ball that well, you think you're going to get some opportunities because teams are going to start loading up, trying to stop the run, and and there should be some opportunities. So I don't know if I'm buying that so much, but they've had two weeks to polish it up. I mean, I I, I, I think there's a chance they could get this back. Okay. For me personally, I, I think he has to have a a much better performance, and whether it's him or the, the receivers, whoever, it's everything has to come together. I think we talked last week. I, I think I said how it seemed like every play, one facet fell apart, or not every play, but almost every other play. Either receivers weren't doing their job, or the pass protection wasn't there, or chance didn't make the right read or the right throw. It was just very disconnected, disjointed. They have to fix that, or I, I think they're going to be in trouble because I do think Utah is going to be able to move the football and make plays based on how they've played the last three weeks, which leads us to the defense. Uh, you know, defense hasn't been awful necessarily, but that third down conversion rate, 124th in the nation at 48.9%. To put that into perspective, the top 20 teams in the nation are all allowing under 32% with North Carolina State leading the nation at 25%. What does Smith say about third down and getting off the field? Well, that's when he doesn't sugarcoat. He he says it's got to get better. I mean, there's just no, there's no two ways about it. It's got to get better. And I don't know if the fix is that easy because, you know, the, the traditional way to fix third down defense is to play better on first and second down and get teams in third and long. But, these guys just give up third and longs too. I mean, in the Hawaii game, Hawaii was nine out of 16 on third down and every one of them was a third and seven or longer. So that, that didn't seem to work, but 
you know, the third down thing is sort of interesting that if you take out six quarters, you take out the Hawaii game, you take out the second half against Washington State when the Cougars were eight for eight. If you take those out, they're they're at 40% on third down, which isn't not great, but it's tolerable. I mean, it's still, I mean, you could live with, I think you can live with 40% on third down. You can't live with 49% on third down. So, I mean, they, 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 they've had, they've had a game and a half that's been bad at, at a six. Um, but there, there's some, there's some groups in the Oregon state fan base that just think the sky is falling. Um, you know, they're four and two and they've had some pretty good performances. I mean, sure there's issues, but I mean, they still want fire the fire Tim Tibisar, you know, get rid of this coach. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a game and a half of bad play. I, I, the, the defense has actually been pretty good against the run this year, which is, you know, Utah is going to try to run it on, on Oregon state. So I think that's going to be, you know, that, that might, that might be playing a little bit in Oregon state strength is, you know, if Utah does try to run it a lot, I think Oregon state can handle that. Um, but they got to get the third down thing fixed. It's just, it, you know, it's really unacceptable at this. It, it, this has been a problem going back eight, ten years. This third down thing—they've just been terrible on third down. It, and I think it was—I don't think they've been in the top fifty in the country on third down in more than a decade. It's—it's it's just been—I I don't know what it is. What it is in the water in Oregon State, but. When it comes to third down, it's 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 cover your eyes. <laughs> All right. Uh you also mentioned to me earlier the punting situation and how that's helped Oregon State. They're fourth in the nation in net punting at forty five point seven nine yards per punt. However, the punter he has a 48 average, which should rank eighth in the country. But I didn't see him listed on on the national list. Is that because he doesn't have enough attempts? That's because he, 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 he didn't have enough attempts because they don't, they, you know, they, they don't punt that. I mean, they didn't they didn't punt against Washington State, and you know, the, I think there was another game he didn't punt either. But when he punts, I mean, he's he, he's been he's been hitting it well. He's like you said, you're, he's averaging 48 and a half a punt. It's just you know they they haven't had a lot of punts so but but that's allowed them to you know gain a lot of you know, field position when 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 they can when they could go to him they don't really want to go to him but you know when they have to go to him he, he's he's become a real field position weapon um, you know and, and then uh, so anyway yeah that 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 that's that's kind of a been a a, a good part of their game is is that when they need to go to it. And what has Jonathan Smith said in terms of how important that's, that's been? Because, I mean, it's one thing that to, to punt the ball 48 yards, but to have a net of 45.79, that means you're not giving up <laughs> hardly anything on returns. Right. I mean, when I asked him, I said, what's been the biggest surprise to you in the first half of the season? You know, he said, well, outside of the running game, it's it's been it's been our punter. But, I mean, there's no coach in America that's going to rave about, you know, punting because, you know, punting is – there's a negative connotation. <laughs> there's a there's a negative connotation of punting. But, I mean, when it comes to field position, 
if you could make teams dry, have to drive 80 yards consistently, you know, the, the odds tilt in your favor to win a game because it's hard to drive 80 yards, you know, four, five, six times in a game. So, you know, if you got a punter that can do that for you, yeah, it, it can only help. I mean, they have some, they have a few issues on special teams, but, but, but the punting is not one of them. So what are your feelings going into this game? What's, what's your, your early prediction? What'd you put in your sneak peek? How are you feeling about this game? Well, I, I picked Oregon State 28 to 27 because I'm not, I just don't think there's any great teams in the Pac-12. And I just think, like I said, I, I don't know if Utah is going to, is, is going to, you know, run into a wall at some point, but I think it's possible. And I mean, they've just, I, I just, I don't see any, I don't see, I mean, even Oregon, I don't see it being a great team. I just think that things are going to go back and forth all the time. And I, I think Oregon State's had two weeks to get ready for this game. In 2019, when they were starting to get a, their program going and they had two buys, they played well off of both their bye weeks. So I think Jonathan has a little bit of an idea how to deal with the bye situation. They've got an experienced team. I, I think they're going to play a pretty good game on Saturday. You know, if it's good, if I think it's going to be good enough to win, but but really nothing's going to surprise me outside of a blowout. I don't think either side's going to blow blow the other team out, but but I'm going to lean just slightly to Oregon State. But but again, shoot, any any, any either side could definitely win the game. Yeah, this league has a way of using misdirection to fool you into what's going into thinking you know what's going on with it. You know, a few weeks ago, I would figure Utah would be one of the games that Oregon State would win. I said the same thing though about Washington State and they lost it. So for me, I feel like I'm being sucked into a trap where I'm going to pick Utah because of how well they've been playing. <laughs> but that only means that since they've been hot, that something bad's going to happen to them well, and it's probably going to happen at Oregon State because it's just their turn now to lose a game that maybe you look at and think, oh, they, they could win that game. But no, it's a Pac-12 and things cre- are, are happening every week that are crazy. So I'm going to lean Oregon State, even though I feel like Utah is the better team right now. Well, I mean, but look, even look at Saturday. Arizona State have been playing well. They, they were blowing Utah out in the first half. I mean, they did anybody think Utah was going to win that game at halftime? I mean, it was it, it was fairly one-sided. And then Utah comes out and throws a twenty-eight nothing at him in the second half and wins the game going away. So, I mean, that's just the Pac-12 this year. Outside of Arizona and Colorado, I mean, it's shoot, it's it's anybody right on a given Saturday this year, which is, I guess, the Pac-12. It usually is like that. So before we go, explain to me how this this fan base. And, the, and we're talking about just a small percentage when we talk about this this kind of stuff. But I think most are level-headed in, in every fan base, and they just have those who are a little, like, bizarre about things. But given where Oregon State has been, and given the fact that they're 4-2 and two right now, how can anyone be upset about anything? I don't – you know, the the defensive coordinator is is just a traditional punching bag in this fan base. They, they just, they, I mean, going back to the Riley era with, they just love to beat up on the defensive coordinator. I mean, I get emails all the time from people about, 
uh, about the defense and why it's so terrible and why it's this. And, you know, the, the favorite one is they're always, they want to ask me, why, why, why is Tim Tibisar not making adjustments at halftime? And I'm, I, and so I write back and I go, what adjustments are you referring to? Because I don't think most fans even know what adjustments are. You know, they, they're so subtle that I think most of them have no idea what the adjustment is. Um, and so, and, and the answer that comes back never usually ever comes back is what it ends up being because I don't think they really know what the adjustments are. I mean, they're, they're, they're subtle and it could be as simple as just moving one of the, one of the linemen over one gap or it could just be, you know, minor adjustments that that's all it takes or, but the, you know, Tim doesn't blitz enough or he blitzes too much or it just, it never ends. They just, they don't like anything about defense at Oregon state. So that's yeah. So you've, I'm sure you've heard it all before too. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned though, as someone who's not necessarily a fan, um, I, I'm very pleased with the fact that they're four and two and they have a chance to make a bowl game. I, I think it's good for the state. It's great for the program. It'll be a huge building block. But I, I can't see how anyone could complain. I mean, too you've, much. you've been. They would have finished five and seven. They finished five and seven, then by all means, freak out. Sure. You, I mean, you've been in the locker room enough, you know, playing. I mean, the adjustments at halftime are. I mean, would you say 75% of the fan couldn't, couldn't really tell what they are? What, 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 what adjustments? I mean, they're, they're usually pretty, course, they're course. usually pretty subtle. They're not, they're not, they don't. Unless, in, I mean, before you can tell what the adjustments are, you have to know what they were doing in the first place. So you have to really be paying attention to the personnel groups, the um, who's in those personnel groups, how they're lining up against different offensive sets that the other team is throwing out there and their personnel groups, and then be able to recognize when something changes within all of that. So you have to be really paying attention very clearly, and you have to know what you're seeing. Unless you've played at to me, at least college football, there's and play defense on college football, or you're a quarterback on offense. You're not going to be able to tell all that, even if you do pay close attention. <laughs> like it's just, it's just really difficult to do from your from your your seats, you know. So it's it's just funny to me. Now, you know, sometimes I'll have conversations with Anthony Newman about stuff like that. When Anthony Newman talks about defensive adjustments, I'll listen to what Anthony Newman has to say, has to say because he played college football, played 13 years in the NFL. He's been a part of adjustments, right? <laughs> but yeah, no, most people don't know what they're talking about. I mean, you have to really, pay, like, you have to really, really, really pay attention the entire game to be able to know what the adjustments should be and what adjustments were made or not made. Unless you're you've got binoculars where you are and you're watching everything that closely and charting, you got to chart, right? I mean, you have to chart it too. What were they in on third, on third and ten inside the forty? Not quite in the red zone on the right hash. What did Oregon State play against three receiver set? If you can't tell me that, you can't tell me what the adjustment should have been in the second half when the other team comes out with that same formation in that same situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I no, I know that that one always drives me crazy is the adjustments thing. I mean, but but I will say that you know the defense is better this year. It's still it's still probably not good enough, but it's getting better. In, in incrementally, it's getting better. It still needs. There's still more work to be to be done for sure. And that is not Beaver fans, an endorsement of Tim Tibisar. <laughs> I, 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 I don't have any, I, you know, 
I, 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 no, I just, I'm, I'm not saying he's the, I'm not saying he's the guy. He's not the guy. I'm just saying, you know, enjoy the four and two. It just seems crazy. Exactly. Enjoy the four and two, man. It just seems like people are losing their minds over some of the strangest stuff. Yeah, that's how it is. Well, shoot, Oregon's got Oregon's five and one, and they've got people booing the quarterback because he's basically not Justin Herbert or Marcus Mariota. So, to each their own. Anyway, all right, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress. He's Nick Dashel, and we will come back next week and break down the Utah game as well as look ahead to the next game against Colorado. Right, Nick? Is it Colorado? Uh, No, no, it's California. Four o'clock, oh, four o'clock kick in Cal. Cal, and then Colorado. Then Colorado. Uh, anyway, please be sure to click the subscribe button so you don't miss our next episode or any other episode. And we will be back here and see you next week. 